tonight, I'm going to be talking about raising the bar, and we're going to be talking about faith. And there's so many times that our faith is limited. And we're going to talk about the limitations. We're going to talk about how to get rid of the limitations and, and talk about the things in our life that that really hold us back and tear us down. Now, it's going to be a little different tonight. I'm going to tell you that up front. So, I want you to stay focused on what we're doing. I don't want you to get distracted by what's going on. There's a specific reason why I'm going to do what I'm doing. I want it to be memorable. And I'll guarantee you it's probably going to be memorable. So just, but don't get distracted. Stay on point. That's what I'm going to try to do. And, and, and I believe that, that we're going to get, you know, I, I, I don't know about you. I don't know how you felt about coming to church today. The devil tried all day long to mess with me all day long. I mean, he tried to irritate me. He tried to agitate me. He tried to make me mad. He tried to hurt me. You know, there was, I got people pulled out in front of me three or four times. You know what that tells me? That God wants this to go forth. God wants somebody to hear what's going to take place tonight. And I'm just going to stand on faith. We're talking about faith tonight. I'm going to stand in faith that there's someone here that's going to take this to heart and it's going to change your very spiritual life. Not just move it a little bit. It's going to change your life. Not because I'm saying it. Because what I, what I say is of no consequence. But when the Holy Spirit moves in and anoints and, and He begins to speak through vessels, there's something there for everybody and something special for somebody. So we're going to talk about that tonight. And you know, the last evening that Jesus spent with His 12 closest disciples, He spent some very valuable time reassuring them of the turbulent hours ahead. Now, if you remember, the last night that He spent with them, they had what we call the Last Supper. They all gathered around the table and they passed the cup. And, and, and this is what we commemorate when we take communion. And, and so he was warning them in advance of the hours to come. Now, why would he do that? Tell them what was coming in advance. Because he wanted them to know that there were troubled times ahead, but they had to have faith to stay in the family of God, to stay in the fold, to stay in the kingdom. And to not be afraid, not fall away, not run and hide. You know, on the night that Jesus uh, was captured, there were several, they, they all ran away. All of them ran away and hid. And, and so this was, he was warning them this was going to happen. As a matter of fact, he told Peter what was going to happen. And Peter said, oh no, that's not going to happen. I'll be with you even unto death. But when the soldiers showed up, what did he do? He cut the ear off one of them, then he disappeared, you know. So anyway, so he began to teach them too about some important truths to come. Not only the troubled times that were coming, but some important truths. And one of the hardest things to accept that he was teaching them is found in John the 14th chapter, verse 12. And I'll read that to you. If you'd like to turn there with me, you can. John 14, 12. He said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, and by the way, as I'm reading some of these scriptures, I'm not taking the whole scripture and going to read because I got a bunch of scriptures tonight. So, uh, but I'm, I'm taking the ones that are pertinent to what we're talking about tonight. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. Now, I don't know about you, and I know that they probably had a difficult time with it. I have read these words that our Lord Jesus had, had said, and I'm thinking, that's just not possible. I, there is no way that we can do greater works than Jesus. Because, I mean, after all, He healed the lame. They walked again. He, he caused the blind to see and the deaf to hear. And, and, and he, you know, he, he caused, uh, people with leprosy to be cleansed and cleaned and they no longer had leprosy. Not only that, He raised the dead. But He said that we would do greater things than He did. Now, how can that possibly be? There's only one answer for that. Number one, we don't do it in our own power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit which comes directly from the throne of God. And that's what empowered Jesus as well. 
that, that we can do those things that He did. And the only way that we could do greater is because of our number. There's more of us. Think about that. Where He was in one place at one time, and it would only be with one group of people. I look at this group here, and it may be small tonight, but if you look at this group, we can be in however many people there are in this building, we can be in that many places, talking to people and, and winning people to Christ, laying hands on people. They can be sick. They can be born again. They can be, uh, they can be healed of their sickness. They can be healed. Their, well, it, it said that the prayer of faith will save the sick. Now, He also told them, That if I don't go back to the Father, the Holy Spirit will not come. And you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm paraphrasing. That's Jim's version. That's in John 16, chapter verse 7. But he was telling them that if he didn't go back to the Father, that, that they would not receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So when we take a, an inventory of our faith, our personal faith, my faith, if I take inventory of my faith tonight, do I see miracles in here? Do I see healings in here? Do I see victory in here? Or do I see something that's, that's going to cause failure? Do I see restrictions? Do I see barriers? Do I see something that's going to hold us back? So, as we get started, I'd like for you to join me in prayer and let's just pray over this tonight. Father, I thank You so much. This is Yours. It's not mine. Lord, in what I have to say here tonight, hallelujah, I feel Your presence, O God. Lord, You let Your anointing fall because it's Your anointing that breaks the yoke. There is nothing that I can say, there is nothing that I can do that can break the yoke in people's lives. But Your anointing, O God, can break the yoke. Lord, and I just feel that there's something tonight You want to break off of someone, Lord, and cause their life to be totally different. Never again to be the same in Jesus' name. And Father, we'll give You praise for it because it's all Your glory anyway. Lord, we bless You. We thank You. And we give You all the praise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, before we get started, I want you to see a little video clip. And Ike is... Did we get, get it all arranged there? I brought it in the wrong format, but Ike is a wizard, so he's turning it around for us. So if you would, go ahead and play that for us.
Well, that's it. We're back to square one. Hey, wait a minute. We're going to take a test flight tonight. I want you to join with me. We're all going to go and we're going to talk about breaking the faith barrier. Now you saw what happened there on breaking the sound barrier. And, and great movie, but it was a, a movie about something that was real. Something that took place. Something that, that was a, a milestone in history. And we're going to talk about milestones in our life tonight. We're going to do a little bit of a comparison. And I'm going to use what is going to be a slightly modified uh, an analogy that I heard this past weekend from a friend of ours. And she said that, that the airplane is going to represent, and understand I'm modifying it, she used an automobile, but the airplane is going to represent our life. And that the pilot in the airplane is going to represent our spirit, who we really are. So when we're talking about the airplane itself, we're talking about this earthly life that we're going to discuss tonight and the things that, that happen to it and that go wrong and need to be changed. But the pilot inside, that's the most important part. That's what we want to concentrate on tonight. So if you will join me, we'll get started right into this. And I'd like to start first. Let's just define faith. And I don't know that you could find a better definition of faith that's found in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 1. Now, it's called the faith chapter for a good reason. And he starts out, and it says, now faith is. And I, I like to think of it, I, long ago I started reading this verse a little different. Uh, when it says, now faith is, I started reading it like this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of, not, of things not seen. And so, I want us to take a little closer look at this, this two particular words in this passage of Scripture. <clears throat> and those two words, the first one, of course, is going to be substance. And it is the Greek word, hypostasis, which means, which I, I think this is really cool when you break it down, it means a substructure or a foundation. Now, Faith is the substructure or the foundation of what my Christian life is all about. If I don't have faith, I don't want to have anything. As a matter of fact, the Scripture tells me that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So now, faith is my foundation of things hoped for. Secondly, I'd like to look at the word, second part of that, evidence. In the Greek, it's a elenkos, and, and I didn't pronounce it exactly right. I can't get it the way the guy does it on the uh, on the internet. Anyway, is that which is it's a thing which is is used to prove a thing or test in a thing. Now, how many of you watch NCIS, CSI? You know these guys. Yeah, we've all seen them. We we know now. We we know about forensics. Okay, and this is exactly what it's talking about here. This this word is exactly the same kind of thing that that people that they talk about when they use this kind of evidence in the conviction of a criminal. When you really can't see the evidence, when you don't have physical evidence, when you don't have the smoking gun, so to speak. But they take 
the forensics and they convict them on forensic evidence that you can't see. It's smaller than the naked eye, but it's there nonetheless. It, it's, it's real. You might not be able to see it, but it's real. You know, when they discovered the atom, you had people that said, no, that's, that's not a real thing, you know, because I can't see it. But now we, we've found things smaller than the atom itself. And, and we understand that it's there, that science has proven that it's there. We can't see it. But this chair is made up of a bunch of them. You know, and, and you know what's really interesting? They tell us that in these molecules, all these atoms have all these little things moving around, electrons and protons and, and, and neutrons, and they're all moving all the time. And you reach and grab it, and it doesn't look like it's moving, but the evidence is there. It's just the evidence of things not seen. So, when you're applying your faith, sometimes you don't see it with this natural eye. I'm going to tell you what, folks. Last year, and I, I've talked about this before, last year was one of those things, those years that tested my faith. But God taught me something in that. And, and deep into the, the year where there was a lot of things going on in my life, He came to me and assured me, I got this. And when the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I got this, even the things that came after that, it was okay because God told me, I got this. You know, and, and the cancer thing, you know, was right in the middle of it and, and, and that's when the Lord told me, I got this. Then the rest of it really didn't matter. Oh yeah, it was, it was inconvenient and it was difficult. But it really didn't matter because God said, I got this. He gave me the foundation and He gave me the evidence of those things hoped for and those things not seen. And, and my faith made a breakthrough last year. I'm 67 years old. You don't have to wait that long. Your faith can be changed tonight. And I believe that somebody's faith in here is going to be changed. So faith is the foundation or the rock in which we build our spiritual home, our spiritual life. And it's the proof that we need to know that we are not believing lies, but rather we can depend on the truth of the Word of God. Now, one thing I'd like to say here, and I've talked about it before, so I'm not going to spend time on it tonight. Faith is also the opposite of fear. I don't know if you, some of you may have heard me, me uh, preach that uh, lesson about uh, faith and fear and how they're opposite in the reciprocals. And if you're full of faith, you're not going to be full of fear. But on the other hand, if you're full of fear, then your faith can't thrive and survive. So they're, they're completely opposite. If you get filled with faith, don't worry about the rest of it. Be concerned if you get filled with fear though. So, we might ask the question, who has faith? And I think I'm ringing. Um, who has faith? Well, it's pretty cool because we all have faith. Yeah, everybody's got faith. I mean, even if you're not a born-again Christian, you have faith. Let's just, for a moment, just let's look at it from just the, that point of view. If you get up in the morning, and it's morning time, let's say, let's say it's not four o'clock in the morning, but let's say it's about, you know, nine o'clock in the morning, you get up and you go outside, you have faith that the sun is going to shine, right? The sun is going to come up. It always does. And where does it come up? It always comes up in the east. So you have faith in that. You have faith when you go get in your automobile and you put the key in it and you turn the key, you have faith it's going to start. We all have some faith in something. And a pilot, he has to have faith in his airplane. He has to have faith in, in all the mechanical, mechanical integrity of that machine that he's riding in. Otherwise, I mean, if you get at 10,000, 20,000 feet, and you get up there and you have a mechanical failure, you're in trouble. So he's got faith in his airplane. He also has faith in his ability to fly the airplane. And he has faith in the ability of the mechanics who work on the airplane. So he, he's exercising faith all about him and all around him. So we all have a measure of faith, but we're not talking about that faith tonight because everybody's got a little bit of it, okay? If we make the mistake of putting our faith in human beings, what's going to happen? Anybody, I'll just, that's, they're going, that's right, they're going to fail. 
you know, human beings are going to fail us. We all fail. And, and that's not saying anything bad about anybody you might put your faith in because we're all human. So we're going to make mistakes. There's going to be failures. But the thing is, in our life, let's remember this. Our faith shouldn't go in humanity. You know, and, and there's been a big push in, in uh, the last uh, half century, you know, about humanism. You know, faith in the human spirit and ability and, and you know, what we can do as humans. But that's just the problem. We're humans. And, and we need to put our faith in the one that created the humans and put the faith in God. Anyway, we should be putting our faith in, in, the, in the Lord. And Paul, in his letter to Titus, refers to a hope of eternal life which God, he just puts this in right here, which God who cannot lie promised before time began. God who cannot lie. And then God Himself tells us in Malachi the third chapter, verse 6, For I am the Lord. Now, that word Lord right there, if you'll notice in your Bible, it's all capital letters. Everybody's Bible is all capital letters there, Lord. L-O-R-D, capital letters. That's Jehovah. For I am Jehovah. Anytime you see all those caps like that, that's the word Jehovah translated. I am Jehovah and I do not change. Now, what a contrast when we get over into John the 8th chapter and verse 44, and the devil is called a liar and the father of it. Now, if the devil is called a liar and, a, and, and the father of it, and God says he cannot lie and he changes not, I just want to have one question for you. Who are you going to believe? You know, have, put your faith in the one that cannot lie. Put your faith in the one that's not going to change. You know, there's one thing certain in this life, one thing that's never going to change. There's always going to be change. I mean, think about it. It's, it's been changing forever. But put, the one, put your faith in the one that's never going to change. He's always going to be the same. So how do we get our faith? I mean, you know, you said everybody had faith. How did we get it? Well, we didn't get it through our works. We didn't, we didn't earn any of it. Ephesians, the, the second chapter, verses 8 and 9 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Now, here's the key. And that not of yourselves. Talking about the faith. That not of yourselves. For it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You know, if you have faith, you don't have any reason to boast because God gave it to you in the first place. And if you're sitting in here tonight and you're born again, you're born again because God gave you a measure of faith to start with. You had the faith to accept Him as a personal Savior and get born again. So if you think, I don't have any faith at all, you're wrong. If you're sitting here born again, you do have faith. God gave you some. So, in Romans the 12th chapter, verse 3, Paul said this, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Anybody, is everybody here just played cards? Just, you know, light gamma cards, just friendly, you know. You have a dealer. And you don't give one person in the, uh, in the game more cards than you do somebody else. It says God dealt everyone a measure of faith. So we've all, we all start with the same faith. Now, that doesn't mean that we all have the same faith as we go along, because there's some people that's, that's more receptive. There's some people that just have, uh, that are, just have the ability to believe God at what He says. You know, I'm impressed by some of these guys that, that, that own faith. They just, like the one guy we talked to several years back, we had a, a, a series of, of videos. He gave away everything that he owned. Two or three times. And God always replenished him. Always gave him more than he had to start with. Because he had faith in God. And that God was going to supply. So, here's my question now. If we all have this measure of faith, then why are we not doing the greater things? I mean, the greater things than Jesus was going to do. That's, that's what He said we were going to do. Well, there could be several reasons. And this... Tablet is driving me nuts. <sighs> you got that other tablet there? 
There we go. Why are we not doing the greater things? Well, it's possible that our fuel is running a little bit low. You know, it takes energy. That's what the fuel does. It gives the energy and the impetus to, to go on. It could be that there's an external drag on our lives. The airplanes, you know, they have external drag. And you know, but it all boils down to lack of faith. And, and here's a, a, a strange thing. I, I read today, there were at least three times in the book of Matthew alone that Jesus our Lord told His disciples, or called His disciples, O oh, you of little faith, at least three times He calls His disciples that in the book of Matthew alone. So we're not the only ones that get short on faith sometimes. You know, even the disciples who walked with Him every day had, had a problem with faith. So there is a faith barrier there. Now, I know that you've looked at the, um, the PowerPoint picture up there. That's a pretty cool picture of a uh, F-18 uh, Hornet, I believe is what it is, and, and breaking the sound barrier. That's actually the sound barrier right there that it's, it's going through. Now, you think, well, that's an invisible barrier, you know. But you saw what it was doing on, on the, the film clip there. You saw what it was to get through it. Well, did you know exactly the, the sound barrier is really, what it is is the speed that the air can't get out of the way of the airplane quick enough. The airplane's moving so fast that the air just can't get out of the way. And that's why all the shaking and all the turbulence inside the plane, because whoops, because it's building up uh, an invisible wall or a dam there, and it can't get past that. It can't get through that. Well, you see that, that jet right there just broke through. That's a picture of it going actually going through the sound barrier. And, and what it is, is, is all the air that was built up was atomized and, and, and put into a mist there and it just right through there. Now, as we're talking about this tonight, I want you to imagine that's your faith right there bursting through on the other side. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be bursting forth on the other side, getting past that place, you know, that's held us back for so long. I don't know about you, but I got tired of being held back by that faith barrier. And so we need to burst through on the other side. So, what is the faith barrier? Well, it's an invisible, yet very real obstacle that impedes our forward motion to achieve God's will for us. And, and the point in our life, it, it's the point in our life that it seems that we can't get past no matter what. That we reach a certain point and we think we're going to get past it and then our lives start falling apart. Have you ever been to that place you thought, boy, I, I'm really getting to where I want to be in the Lord. My, you know, I'm getting that spiritual, that, that uh, growth that I'm wanting to get, you know, and I feel like I'm just growing in Christ. And, and then all of a sudden things start shaking around you and, and, and your airplane starts falling apart. That's because the devil don't want you breaking through that. And he's going to do everything he can to keep you from getting to the other side. So how do we do that? How do we get through that? And oh, and by the way, before I forget, uh, this just a, a, a neat little thing that, you know, we talked about the errors, what's holding us back. And the Scripture calls the devil in Ephesians, the second chapter, verse 2, the prince of the power of the air. Exactly. So he's the one that's holding you back. He's the one you need to be upset at. He was the one I was upset at today. And it just irritated me that these things were going wrong because I, I was thinking, Lord, I know you want me to do this. I told you it's going to be different, by the way. As we strive to, to get beyond this barrier, you know, everything starts to come apart. And, and when you finally do break through, and, and I, I know you, in the, the video, you saw him break through and everything calmed down. Everything got real still and he regained control of all of his, his uh, airplane. And the reason that that happens is you, you see up there that airplane breaking through. All of a sudden, all that turbulence is behind you and it can't catch up to you anymore. And I thought, wow, what a picture of the devil. Because here it is, he's causing all this turbulence in my, my life and he's bringing all this shaking and turmoil and, 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 you know, and all this concern in my life. But if I ever break through that faith barrier, he's back here and he can't catch up. 
Now that doesn't mean he's not going to quit trying. He's going to keep trying. But if you get beyond that faith barrier and your faith starts working just the way God planned for it to work in your life, he can't catch up to you then. He's still behind you. He's always a step behind if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing in Christ. And I think that's the cool part. Now, we can set our lives up for success. I'm talking about success in breaking through the faith barrier. And one of the first things we need to do, and we'll call it streamlining our life, which is streamlining the airplane. If you'll notice, the little airplane that uh, Chuck Yeager was supposed to have been in was very simple, very streamlined, didn't have anything, no extra drag on the outside, didn't, didn't have a lot hanging on it. I mean, you know, they were going to make it as fast as they could make it. So they streamlined the thing, made it look like a torpedo. And, and you know, so you streamline your life. And that's one of the things we have to do. We have to start looking at the things that's holding us back. One of, you know, I'll guarantee you he didn't have his suitcase in the cockpit with him. You know, streamline it. Uh, and in the Hebrews, the second chapter, the 12th chapter, I'm sorry, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. You know what? I just, I reverted to King James there. I've learned so many scriptures in King James that I didn't even go look that way. I just now noticed that I did the King James there. So you'll just have to live with that if you, you know. But sometimes it takes laying aside those things that are holding us back. You know, putting down those things that, that, that cause a stumbling block, not only in your life, but maybe in your family's life as well. You know, we streamline our lives. I'm not talking about you don't have to get rid of everything you've got. I don't mean that. But what I do mean is you need to get rid of those things that, that will hold you back, that will slow you down in your progress for Christ. You get rid of the external drag, and I'll use a quote from an unknown source that I heard, what you put up with, you live with. And so, you know, I just... Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting that I was, I found it somewhere this week when I was studying this, and I don't even know where I found it, but I thought, well, that's, that sounds right here. What you put up with, that's what you end up with. So don't put up with stuff that the devil throws at you. Get rid of it. And next, after you streamline your life, after you get rid of the things you know that, that hold you back, and, and you know what? It's not that difficult to, to see them. I mean, you know what holds you back. We have those things that we know that are stumbling blocks in our life and, and, and we need to, to ask God to, to help us get rid of those things. And I, you know, they say that habits are, are formed over a period of time and once they get, they, they take a whole lot less time to form than they do to get rid of. So the best thing to do is don't get, don't get habits at all. So I mean, that's easily said, but it's a whole lot easier said than done. But that, that's what it ends up being. Now, we need to learn to recognize the controlling factors in our life. We need to know what affects your life and how to manage those things that could cause our lives to get out of control. Now, that being said, I want to take a look at the control panel of a simple aircraft tonight and let's, it, maybe it can help us understand what's going on. Now, this is just a simple aircraft, simple control panel, and we're only going to talk about four of these gauges tonight and I'm not going to get real technical. It's not going to take a long time, so stay with me here for just a minute. And the first thing I want to talk about, and, and the next slide should, should uh, highlight this. That's what, yeah. Did you see it turn green? Did everybody see that turn green? The, the little gauge there on the left-hand side turn green? Okay, that is an airspeed indicator. And it's kind of like the speedometer in your car. I mean, you give it more gas, it goes faster, and you could see the speedometer you know, go over. Well, that's an airspeed indicator. And it tells you how fast you're moving. And... We need to use the Word of God as an airspeed indicator in our life to tell us how fast that we're moving forward in our Christian experience. Now, the reason I say that is the Hebrew 5 talks about maturing in Christ too slowly. As a matter of fact, it talks about having need of, uh, of the milk again instead of going on to the meat of the Word or, or solid food, that the solid food is, is for more mature Christians. And that's, that's kind of an indicator there. If we get into the Word and we find out that we, we continually need 
you know, the real simple sermons. We continually need to go to, to rehash the thing, the very basics of Christianity, the very basics of our belief. Then we can look at our airspeed indicator, or let's call it our God speed indicator, and we can understand that we're, we're moving along a little too slow. So it, it's a good way to measure what's going on in your life. And number two, we have the heading indicator. And basically the heading indicator, it's in, right in the middle on the bottom. It turned, turned a little bit green, not real green. But it's right in the middle on the bottom there. And the heading indicator is basically a compass. It tells you where you're going. You're going north. You're going south. You're going east to west. Now let's say you want to go to, uh, you want to go to Los Angeles. And if you turn north, you're not going to get to Los Angeles. I don't care how you do it, you're not going to get to Los Angeles. So you have to know where you're headed. And that's another thing that the Word of God does. It tells you if you're headed in the right direction or not. And if you're not headed in the right direction, it will tell you how to get in the right direction and head where you want to go. If, if you're headed in a certain direction that you want your life to be, uh, you want your life to be free of pain. You want your life to be free of sin. You want your kids to be born again. You want, you know, you, there, whatever that you want in God, the Scriptures will give you the heading you need to take to get to that place. And the third thing that we have is called an altimeter. And it's on the right-hand side, top right. And that tells you at what elevation that you're flying. Now that may kind of seem like very pretty simplistic, but let me ask you this question. Just give you a scenario. Let's just say you're flying at 10,000 feet here in southeast Texas. You just took off from the airport over here, and you know, the, the Golden Triangle Airport. You just took off. You're flying at 10,000 feet. Now, can you be reasonably sure you're not going to run into anything at 10,000 feet? Reasonably sure, yeah. But let's just say you take off in, oh, let's say Denver, Colorado. And you're flying at 10,000 feet. Are you still so sure that you're not going to run into anything? No, you shouldn't be. Because there are several mountains that are well beyond 10,000 feet in the state of Colorado. Now, what Christians do a lot of time, we get at a certain level, we think, ah, this is a good safe place. And we stop and we fold our hands. And we sit back and relax. And the next thing you know, we run head on into the side of a mountain. Because, yeah, because we're not ready for it, right? We're not diligent. We've, we've gotten past the diligence. Now we're just in the rocking chair. So what we need to do is we need to know what our altitude is in relation to where our position is, in relation to our location. So at 10,000 feet in Colorado, you better be watching what's ahead of you. And I think that a lot of Christians get in that good, safe place and they ride right there and their life just gets so humdrum and all of a sudden when they run into that mountain, they're not expecting it at all. They're not expecting the devil to attack them because everything's just going so good. But it happens. So we need to fly higher if you can. I mean, you know, the higher you get with God, the better it is. Now the last thing I want to talk about and Pastor Sam has talked about this once or twice, is the uh, attitude indicator. Now, brother, the Bible can tell you a lot about out, uh, attitudes. If you look, if you can look real close, I don't know if you can see it or not, but right in the middle, there's kind of a little V there. And that little V, it, watching that V will tell you whether your nose is up, whether your nose is down, or whether you're banked, right or left, either way. And you know, and that's what the Bible will do. It'll tell you when you get your head down, you know, to lift up your eyes from which your your help comes from. If if you get your your nose up in the air, so to speak, it'll also tell you that that you know pride comes before a fall. And then if you start turning right or left, you know we're supposed to stay in that that straight path. Straight is the way, and narrow is the gate, is what the scripture says. So this attitude indicator is probably the most important instrument on our control panel because it tells us exactly where our life is, what it's doing at any time, and just because it feels right to you, may not be the right thing because the attitude indicator will tell you whether it's the right thing or not. And that being said. I'd like to relate a true story that happened right here in the United States. And it was a, um, a, a tragic story. There was a fellow who was flying his airplane 
And he was so low on fuel that he could not go to another airport that was not socked in with fog. And the, the airport that he needed to land because he was low on fuel had a very low ceiling. There was a lot of fog. He couldn't see. Now, this particular fellow had logged many hours in visual flying. He was a skilled visual flyer. But he had very little expense flying by instrumentation. And he called the um, air traffic controller and the air traffic controller tried to calm him down and, and tried to, you know, said, listen, we'll, we'll get everything ready down here and said, we'll talk you through it. And, and so he starts down and, and he sounded very calm and confident as he was coming in. And in a few moments, the aircraft controller, air traffic controller heard him screaming. He said, I'm out of control. I'm out of control. And so the air traffic controller says, release your control, release the controls and the airplane will right itself. You've got the instrumentation there. It'll turn itself right. He had turned the aircraft upside down. He was flying upside down and he couldn't tell it. He was he was socked in the fog. He couldn't tell with his eyes, his visual, whether how he was flying, and it felt right to him. Now, how you can feel right upside down, I don't know, but he did, you know. But that's what the, they say that when you get you lose the sight, you lose your orientation. And had he trusted in his instruments and trusted the fact that the instruments would tell him where to go and how to fly. It would have been different. But because he refused to let go of the controls, because he refused to have faith in his instrument, he crashed a few months later and it killed him. Now, the point of this is, in this life that, we, that we're in, sometimes it feels right for us. It's okay for me to get mad at old so-and-so. He did me wrong in the first place. It's okay for me to retaliate. It's okay... For me, whatever you do. I mean, you know, we, we get ourselves in a place that we've flown by side in the, in a manner of speaking in this Christian life for so long. It feels right to us. But what does your instrumentation say? What does the Word of God say? That's really what your instrumentation is, is the Word of God. Your altitude, your attitude, your, your, your heading, you know. It'll tell you all those things. All you have to do is read the instrumentation. To fly safely home, depend on the instruments, have faith in the instruments, and, and trust the Word of God, and it'll take you home safe. And that's the real sadness of the story, is he could have been safe. All he had to do was release control. You know what? I have that problem. I want control. And, and when I say that, I mean when things are broke, I'm a fix-it guy. I've fixed things all my life. I mean, you know, if it's broke, no, bring it over to the shop. I'll fix it, you know. And, and I've always been that way. I, I'm a fixer. But there's some things I can't fix. I can fix the physical things, but I can't fix the spiritual things. And sometimes we just need to release the controls and let our co-pilot, the Holy Spirit, take the controls and put us in the right place Listen to what our instrumentation is trying to tell us, the Word of God, and it'll put us home safe. How are we doing here? Oh, goodness. We're clicking right along here. All right. Now, man, there we go. That's the last part here. Well, I'll say the last part. The next thing we need to do is to keep our fuel tank full. What did Jesus tell the disciples just as He was getting ready? I thought maybe we had an airplane up there. <laughs> what did Jesus tell the disciples just as He was about to ascend to the Father? He told them to go wait. To go wait in Jerusalem. Why, did, why were they supposed to go wait? Do you remember? That's right. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the deal. If you don't have power, I don't care how much you've streamlined your life, you're not going to break that faith barrier. It's not going to happen. Because you can be as streamlined as you can possibly be, but you still have to have enough impetus to put you past that point. That point that's holding you back, you still have to have enough to get past it. 
The Holy Spirit is the power in our life. That it, that's just no way around it. It's the thing. It's, it's the ability in us. He is the one in us that gives us the strength to burst through the barrier that's holding us back. So, if you've ever felt like you're on a, the, the brink of a breakthrough, and you get up to it and you just don't have quite enough power to get through that, that, that breakthrough, don't you feel drained? If you feel like, man, I just failed. Well, we're, we set ourselves up for failure because really we're not the ones that's going to get through that anyway. We, we, we have to let the Holy Spirit do that. We have to let the Holy Spirit give us that power. We have to let the, the Word of God give us the instruction. We have to let you know uh, God the Father direct us. It's not in us, not by power or might, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So, We've got to keep you thankful of, uh, of the Holy Spirit. If you don't have, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, by the way, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, we can do that tonight. You know, the Holy Spirit is, is always willing to come and dwell within us. Uh, and the last thing here we need to talk about is to maintain communication. Now, you probably noticed in the video that they, they were talking back and forth to ground control. And, and there were several things that he said, oh, by the way, make a note here that this is going on or, or whatever. And, and that's what we need to be doing with the Father. We need to maintain our ground control, except our Father is not the ground control. He's heaven control. So we need to maintain that, that communication with the Father and, and, and continually be in, in, in communication with Him. The Scripture tells us in, in the First Thessalonians, I believe it's 5.17, to pray without ceasing. Now that doesn't mean I have to be on my knees 24 hours a day. It simply means that my communication line should be open all the time. That whenever I'm going to work, my communication, that if God wants to speak to me, that the, that the lines are open. If I'm driving over to the grocery store to buy groceries, which I do a lot of now that I'm retired, I'm looking at my wife on that one. But anyway, if, if I'm going to the grocery store, my communication line should be wide open so that the, the Lord can speak to me. As a matter of fact, there's been several times when I've been going to the grocery store here lately that, that I felt like the Lord spoke specifically about certain things in my life. And, and you know, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that God thinks that, that, that okay, He'll listen to me this time, you know. And um, I, I appreciate Him so much. But it's because we keep communication lines open. And I will tell you a little story and I'm, I, some of you may have heard this before, that I had gotten out of the hospital one time and, and I just, I was sitting in the backyard. The weather was beautiful. It was cool. And, and, and I thought, well, I'll just go sit in the yard. And it's in my recuperation. And I thought, I'll just go sit in the yard and, and I'll pray while I'm out there. But I got in the backyard on my, my little patio there and, and I was just praying, man. I was just praying my heart out, sitting out there in a beautiful day and the birds are singing and, and you know, it was a great day and I was just praying, 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 praying. And all of a sudden, it's like the Lord said, stop it. And I thought, what have I done? And it was just as clear as if it had spoken to me by a human being. He said, if you do all the talking, I can't talk back to you. And you can't hear me. And I was like, wow. And you know, I, I never had that, that feeling before that the Lord, I felt like the Lord just said, quit it, you know. And so, for about an hour, I just sat out there and I just got quiet. And you know what? He spoke some things to my spirit that day. Some things that really helped me along later on. And, and I appreciate that so much that He thought enough of me to tell me to shut up. You know, and so, young people, sometimes if you get told to be quiet, it's for your own good. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> so here's a conclusion. Our life is a short flight through time. As a matter of fact, the Scripture tells us that, that it's uh, in James, the fourth chapter, verse 14, it's that our life is a vapor that appears for a short while and then vanishes away. This morning, I saw something just, just almost like that as I was going over to, to, to Nederland. I saw a jet up there in the vapor trail behind it. And you could tell right where the jet was was, was a, a pretty strong vapor trail. But back here where it had been, you know, it was already beginning to dissipate. And that's what we're like. Our, our lives are like a short trip, a short flight. And, and they appear for just a moment. 
and then they vanish away. But while we're here, and I, I, you know, I was already had this lesson ready to go and I already was thinking about all the things about it. And I saw this and I thought, wow, here it is. And, you know, it's right out there and I can see it. It made an impact on me just seeing it this way. And I've looked at these vapor trails before and thought, boy, that's just really cool looking. That's, you know, it's neat. And what we want to do is when we break through the faith barrier, we want to be able to leave an impression that people can be inspired and can be awed by God. Not by what we do, but what God does in us. You know, and how many of you here have never heard a sonic boom? You ever heard sonic? You have? You know, it, it's getting to where that it's, it's less and less likely that you'll hear a sonic boom. And the reason is that engineers have designed the airplanes to where it has a lot less drag. They've designed the engines to have a lot more power. And now, you know, from the reading that I was doing, the pilots zoom right through the sound barrier with almost no notice at all. And what's really cool about that is that when you finally break through that faith barrier and the devil throws those things out at you, you can zoom right through them and hardly notice them at all. Oh yeah, he's not going to stop trying. He's not going to stop you know, harassing you just like he did me today. But when our faith has broken through that barrier, you zip right through them, no big deal. Not a thing. So tonight... I hope that somebody in this place has found a place in your heart, found a place in your, in your spirit that has encouraged you that you can zip through that faith barrier and get to the other side and do what God has destined for you to do in your life. You'll never reach your destiny in God until you break through that faith barrier. It takes doing that. So, I'm going to ask you if you would, if you'll stand with me. And is there anything that needs to be announced, Josh? So we're just going to be dismissed with this. You know, I appreciate you guys so much for being here. And I'll be honest with you, more than that, I appreciate Jesus being here. And I love you guys, but I love Jesus more. No offense to you. Father, I thank you so much for these... Faithful, faithful people, Lord, that are gathered in this house tonight. Thank You, O God, for the faith that You've given all of us, O Lord. But Lord, I just I believe in my spirit that You're moving somebody beyond the faith barrier tonight. That someone is breaking through that place that You want them to break through, Lord. That they're about to achieve the destiny that You've got set for them in their life, O God. Father, I just give You praise. I give You honor. Lord, and let us all attain that place of faith that You can do big things in our life on Your behalf, O oh God. Lord, for the kingdom's sake, O oh God. Not for, Lord, our personal gain. But Lord, it's not about me anyway. It's about the kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen.